What's up? It's Casey, and we have something so exciting to share with you. Another thing that has been in the works for five ever. It is dun-dun-dun, bitches talk a lot. I mean, a mock. It is an audio mock exam. 175 questions that we read to you and we give you time to answer, and then we give you the correct answer and, of course, the feedback. Why the answer is right and why the other ones are wrong. You do not want to miss this. You can now take a mock exam wherever you are. At the gym, in the car, breastfeeding, whatever you want to do, we got you. You can find this in our shop at www.studynotesaba.com. Behavior bitches. Hey guys, it's Liat and Casey, and we are back. And our latency is on fleek today because we are still together in Dallas. And usually, Casey is delayed living in her cave in New Hampshire. So it's like, hey, it's Liat, crickets, 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 and Casey. But thank God for Alan, he puts it together. Anyways, we are back today sitting next to each other. For episode 94. Woo! What is your rhyme today? I came up with this one on my own. I Don't actually look. have a good one. No, mine's of. better. Okay. We like to always try to kind of relate it to the episode is kind of how we have been doing it through 94 episodes. But today is episode 94. The answer is no, B. You do not need any more. Okay, my, I have a good one, too. I just thought of it. Okay. Episode 94. Holy shit, I can't see the floor. Oh, that's a good one! <laughs> or, shit, you always one up me. Or episode 94. Oh, my God. This is a fire hazard because I can't get to the door. <laughs> no! You are so good at impromptu. It's fucking called improv. Like, it is called improv. Like, I tell Casey this all the time that I took improv and she's like, I did not do my impromptu lessons today. I'm like, it's fucking called improv. Okay. I was in level five improv, not to brag. And I was in level zero impromptu. Impromptu. <laughs> what? We're silly today. I'm feeling very silly. I'm feeling fiery and spicy. All right. And... I think I want to feel myself even more. So to do that, I think I'm going to need someone to say something nice about this podcast. So can you tell us the review of the day? Heck to the yes. All right. This one comes in from Mr. Music, I think. M-U-Z-C. I know who you are. Don't you worry. Oh, my God. Is this? Yeah. He's our guy. Um, so I think he's tried to write like five reviews and they've all been denied for uh, foul language, which is funny because the name of our podcast is Behave with Bitches. But... Apple, you do what you got to do, baby. All right. Title is, Y'all are the shh with a smiley face. He says, okay, so I think my original review got taken down or was never posted because I used too many swear words, so I'll keep it clean this time, LOL. I just want to thank you two for this amazing podcast. When I was studying for my RBT exam, I needed a way to really, truly understand ABA and not just memorize definitions and vocabulary words in time to pass the exam and then forget it all. I can't tell you how much I appreciate how much you have expanded my perspective on behavior. You are touching more lives than you than what you may realize. Thank you, thank you, thank you. 
Thank you, Blant. I can't wait till you come on and sing for us and write a Behavior Bitches song. Um, we love you. We mean it. And we're hopefully recording soon with you. So thanks for that review. I'm glad it finally got We are recording soon. I'm excited. Yeah. And for the response effort, because we know you have been, this was like when I applied to University of Maryland, they rejected me so many times and it took a lot of effort to get the fuck in there. Um, so I know the effort that goes into this and you put the effort into getting that review. So thank you so much. All right. Today. I am stoked for this topic and our guest. This is a topic I've been wanting to do for a while. I also, it kind of falls into one of my, my interests. You know, I have crime. I have um, hostage negotiation. I have drugs. What else do I like? Um, you like cults? Cults. Dr. Phil. Like basically anything that is abnormal, like yeah, a little like like deviates. Okay, you definitely deviate because <laughs> I deviate exactly. I keep us on the straight and narrow, and Leon is the deviator. She's literally so boring. I have to like <laughs> hashtag Buzzkill. <laughs> hashtag. Oh, if anyone didn't know, I have changed Casey's name to just Buzz. I'm like, I'm like, oh, the weather, or whatever. She's like, this is just straight global warming. Don't you know? Like our planet is ending. I'm like. Bitch, I said it's nice weather outside, Buzz. You know? I'm like, okay. So, anyways, our guest today is someone awesome. And the topic today is... Dun, 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 hoarding. Hoarding, if anyone watches any hoarder shows on TV, um, I find it really interesting because it oftentimes has... Like, you know, they, they'll get into it and then they'll tell you, like, the background information. And it, it kind of just furthers into a lot of determinism in terms of, like, there was something usually before, some kind of antecedent. Um, so before I start going off onto a rant, Casey, can you tell us about our guest today? I would love to. All right. So our sweet guest today is Savannah Wright Evans. She's a master's in education. She's also a BCBA. Um, she has been in the field of ABA since 2012 and officially became a BCBA in August of 2020. Congratulations. Woo! So basically, I'm going to do a long story short and let her introduce herself, but she basically grew up living in something similar to the Hoarders TV show all of her life. Literally, it's kind of what she knew as normal. Um, she was hiding the reality to most um, and those who knew what was going on only knew like a tiny, tiny sliver of it. She knew she didn't want to be like that forever and how she needed to change, but she didn't know how. Um, so she basically comes, I think she's third generation of compulsive hoarders. We'll let her correct me on that. Um, but like I always say, my past doesn't have to define me as well as her past doesn't have to define her. She did the work and she's here to, I think she's on the other side, but we'll hear her story. But Savannah, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Um, okay, so you're correct. Yeah, just a super long line of hoarders. I mean, my mom, my grandmother, great aunt, aunt, um, just kind of along the line of, of hoarding, you know? Um, and that behavior is learned and imitated down the line, right? Yeah, I mean, like environmental. I mean, it's definitely like it's it was my normal. It was all I knew. It was what I was around. It was what I saw. It was what I lived. Um, like It was a part of me in the sense, you know? So let's back up a little bit and let's get in. We like to operational and define, right? What is your definition of hoarding? 
And then I also have one from like, you know, from like Wikipedia. www.com. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think to break it down simple for me, um, my hoarding consisted of like heavy compulsivity of keeping and finding a need for everything, whether it was trash, whether it was knickknacks, whether it was a receipt, whether it was not wanting to move a book, I had to have everything and had to find a need for it. I could not get rid of anything, nothing. Um, something small to someone was like treasure to me and the effects of it kind of became so like debilitating almost where I felt like sick to my stomach, but I knew I had to throw something away or if I had to get rid of something or if I actually had to part, part ways. I remember in our conversation, one thing that I'm just thinking right now is we kind of were laughing a little bit, but like you were giving value to trash. Yes. Like it was, yeah, all the way. I mean, and looking back on it now, I'm like, whoa, like I was so consumed in like those small, tiny things that I'm like, I didn't see the, the, the big picture of it, you know, of like the realities of trash or like old dishes or I mean, just amaze in my own apartment or amaze in my car or going to my mom's house and like being okay with that because again, it was normal of having a maze of keeping everything. I mean, I feel you a little bit in the sense of that, the normal, right? Like I grew up and my mom is definitely, I'm not, you know, she's not like- you say they're kind of hoarders? Yeah, like she's not, I wouldn't say TV hoarders, but when you walk in to their house, I mean, there's stuff piled up to the walls in a lot of the places. And, you know, the couch, you can't sit anywhere. There's nowhere to sit. The couch is covered with tons and tons of clothes. And it it just is very, um, and like my mom likes to post like, notes or anything or old like weird stuff all over the walls it's not like nice photos it's like pieces of paper that she's like written on notes from my stepdad that he passed when he passed away any birthday card or cards that she's gotten and it's covering the walls and like because I grew up with that I thought it was normal and I brought my husband there this Christmas and he walked in and he's like and he's very sweet and didn't say anything but there's an old Christmas tree a fake one that they kept in the corner. And but you so, were just telling me about Yeah, that. and so he starts walking <laughs> towards the Christmas tree that's like this old, like, white Christmas tree that's literally, I know. Is it white? Is it dust? Is it, it actually green? No, no, it's white, like, fake white. But it's funny because I've seen it for the last, like, 10 years knowing it's been there. Nor Again, thinking, why do they keep a Christmas tree up all year? I don't know. But for me, I don't even think twice. So he's, like, walking over to this Christmas tree. I'm like, no, no, no the Christmas tree's actually in this back hallway by the trash can was the only other clear space they had at the bottom of like the stairs. Like where like that is not where you would put a Christmas tree. Cause there's nowhere again for anyone to sit except on the bottom stair. And so that's where their Christmas tree was a new one. And he was like, Oh, so alarmed. And I'm like, what? Um, I was very like, Oh, this is normal. Cause I've, just, I've seen this Christmas tree for 10 years. It's been there. And that the fact that they had a different one at the bottom of the stairs, the only other place that was clear I didn't really think twice of, but my husband was literally like... What time of year was it? Like July? No, it was Christmas. But like the Christmas tree, the other one, the old one has stayed up for years. They've never taken it down. It's just just something that's hoarded in the corner, right? Decoration. Yeah. And like, I think they, but when I asked them about it, they come up with a reason every time. And it's like, oh, remember that Christmas when Cliff, my stepdad was alive and it meant so much to him. And I know damn well, my stepdad did not fucking give a shit about that Christmas tree or Christmas, (laughs) but they have tied a reason to that. And they defend themselves to the end. Like even my family, if they take a photo and my family sees it on Facebook, they'll comment like, why the hell do you have a Christmas tree up in July? 
in the comments back are like, it's personal means so much to us and don't shit on our Christmas tree. And I'm just like, oh my God. But anyways, yeah. I digress. That's just more into my <laughs> experience. Like, we all like definitely have like some small hoarding, you know what I mean? Like I think everyone has some kind of like hoarding, but I think when it becomes like debilitating, like in your career, when you're like smelling, I think that's when it's like, whoa, take a step back. Um, that's when I'm like, there's, there's a problem. Like number one, um, it really stuff really can own you it's 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 really insane actually yeah but stuff can be really debilitating it's it and consuming but before we get more into this i have so many questions to ask i'm like trying to keep my mouth shut um i want to go over the behavioral principles that we will cover today Sometimes I don't feel like turning the robot on, but I like have committed to this character. And that's part of impromptu, Casey. <laughs> um, committing to your character and just like honing in on it. Improv. I was kidding. I know. Okay, thank you. <laughs> um, so it is, so the behavioral principles of today are, we're going to talk about assessment, function, creating and supporting a self-management plan, reinforcement, punishment, antecedent strategies, manipulating the environment, choice, high P, low P, and I'm sure there's going to be so much other shit, and definitely there will be determinism, because nothing happens out of nowhere, okay? The robot is going away now. Bye, robot. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> later, Gator. <laughs> You're sitting next to me, so I feel more committed to it. Like I, I feel like I have more of an audience to laugh. It's so funny, like, when we teach class, like, sitting next to each other versus when I'm on Zoom in New Hampshire. Like, she's so loud and aggressive when you're next to her. I'm like, I don't know how much longer I can teach next to you for. <laughs> but it's, it comes across less aggressive on Zoom. Because you could control your own volume. Right. On like, your own I screen. can't control her volume. <laughs> Anyways, you know what let's get back. All right. So, I wanted to just read this definition to operational definition. This is the psychological definition. It's the compulsion to continually accumulate a variety of items that are often considered useless or worthless by others, accompanied by an inability to discard the items without great distress. Hoarding is marked by an overwhelming desire to collect items and an inability to discard things that may seem useless, to say it all over again, um, that, to the point where it can start impacting your health, career, or relationships. Let's start from the beginning. Let's pretend like we're BCBAs here or something. And we start looking at the history. So if you were to look at this, where do you think the hoarding in the family started? Um, like who was, who was the first person who started with the hoarding? If, if you could just, I don't know if it might be too much before you even, but where do you think? Yeah, um, I think I noticed the hoarding when it was time for play dates and going over to other people's house and kind of seeing how they're like, it was a little chaotic. Of course, there was kids, but it was overall. I mean, things had its place. Things were in its way. There was no maze. There was everything, you know, was in an area. It was overall like a pretty clean home. And when I didn't want to invite anyone over to my house, that's when I kind of was like, why, why not? Or when I did, um, instead of having like a broom or a vacuum, like 
we had a rake. So we would kind of rake things to different rooms in the house to kind of have that one play area or hide it all to one area where no one would see it or hide it to a room and kind of just say, oh, hey, we're playing living room today or playing in you know, my room. But knowing that like the bathroom or the, the bedroom was, I mean, you couldn't even walk into it because everything was kind of shoved in there because it was everywhere else in the house. Um, oh my God, a rake. Yes, that was like our broom. Wow. So, okay. So that that's obviously for like things that are, whether it's like papers or things that are large, right? What about the actual cleanliness level of like, let's talk about things that are small enough to get picked up by a broom. Was there also like a low cleanliness level? You know, it's beyond funny because I think, was it the cleanliest? I mean, depending on what, what, what clean is, you know what I mean? Like we didn't have ants, we didn't have roaches, we didn't have like any, any rats. So like for that side, like, I mean, it, it, it was clean, but you know, to someone else, like it's just a, a clutter. Um, from growing up, my mom was a big mail hoarder, so she never opened up her mail. Um, it was a lot of paperwork, a lot of just stuff. She would find hobbies, invest in these hobbies and they would just be there and then find a new hobby and then kind of just it be there. Or for my life growing up, it was, it was a need to keep everything. Or when it came to, to dishes, the home tour life, I never had to do any chores. I never had to do any kind of homekeeping. Um, I guess because mom worked so much where it was more or less of, what do you want to eat? Let's kind of do that routine. So it was a lot of like fast food bags around the house. Um, it was empty. So again, we never really had bugs or ants or, or rodents. And then we would go into like cooking and my mom would bleach everything. So like the, the, the area we were going to cook on was, I mean, bleached down to the, I mean, it was spotless, but it was just that little area of what we can cook and clean on. Or um, the stove, it was kind of just that, the one little eye that was kind of cleaned around and uh -huh. made where we can cook, where it was clean enough and healthy enough for, for us to cook and clean on. Wow. I, first of all, I'm just so fascinated by it. It's so interesting because like what someone grows up in, in their environment, that is so the norm. So let's say you went and got fast food, okay? And the restaurant was really generous with their ketchup packets. Would that be something that your mom would then keep after the ketchup packets or like the bag would also be a value? Oh, yeah. No, I mean, what was funny is that like we had a drawer for like the ketchup and the little like handy packets. But I mean, when we look at it, like they were all spoiled or old and we couldn't even honestly like use it when it came time to using it again. We just didn't throw it away or like the napkins. You know how everyone keeps napkins from like restaurants? We uh -huh. had so many napkins where it was, we didn't even know where they were at. They were kind of just there. Um, or like the forks. Um, all the little knickknacks that came in those bags, they were just kind of laid out and different, scattered. So there was the the condiments, there was the utensils, there was the napkins, and then there, again, there was a bag. And it was near the trash can, but it wasn't in the trash can. I mean, some can call it lazy, some can call it kind of just the need to not wanting to throw it out. Or the fact that we would often even use those bags again to put other trash in, but then not even throw that trash really out. I think it's very easy for people to like look at hoarding shows and be like, holy shit, how did they let it get to that? And and you said something earlier about everyone almost having like their little thing that they either hoard or like their, like for me, I know um, mine is, and I guess it goes, and I, I have been able to make a good excuse for it, is pens 
office supplies. And now, obviously, I have moved up in my life and I'm on fancier pens now than I was. But I still would not be able to throw away like a set of like bank pens as well. So like I won't use them and I will like make fun of Casey being like, come on, you work for Study Notes ABA, like up your pen game, biatch. But there's something about like office supplies for me. So I just moved houses uh, last week. And when I was moving, it's like, okay, I'm cleaning out a drawer here, right? Like a, a desk drawer. And in that drawer, like I have a, a tub of um, paper clips. I have a tub of, well, it's also, it's not just pens. It's also any office supplies. So then I have like post-its, um, whatever it is. But then like, and then I have them like in organized trays because that's like the one thing I do like to organize is office supplies because like I get happy touching them. Um, but then there's like the one post-it pad that has like five post-its left on it and it's kind of bent, you know, like it's like, do I need these five left? And they have like, they've been in a, in a pencil bag. So they're like covered in ink or whatever it is. And I'm like picking that one up to like stack it in with the, like with my other like full notepads or whatever it is, or there's like remaining paper clips in the drawer that just like, and I was with someone helping me get rid of it. They're like, just get rid of it. And I'm like, no, I'll just add it to my other pile of post-its or, oh no, there's like, here, there's like two pieces of computer paper that were, and I'm like, no, I, I'll take, I'll, I'll just write some notes down for that day. I don't care if it's bent because it doesn't need to go on my printer, but like, I'll write my to-do list on it that day. And, and then yesterday, for example, Case, Case, I was telling Casey, I was like, dude, if I died, I would actually need you to like be the person to come in and tell like what they could get rid of and what they couldn't in terms of like my ADA <laughs> supplies, my pens, my this. And I'm like, Casey, can you do me a favor? Can you look at this binder? It keeps coming up. Ellie Brown and I have moved a few times in the past few years. And this one binder has followed me, like this three-inch binder with papers in it. And I'm like, can you tell me if I need it or not? Because like, you'll actually know you're doing the exact same thing as me. You're in the same field, whatever it is. And it basically had, was it research articles? No, it was like. And slides. It was like PowerPoint slides from like a class that you took. So long ago that has nothing to do with test prep for us. Like it is nothing. A college class and it was like about like a special ed class. Not even like about ABA at all. What like I'm teaching. Using. Yeah, like teaching stuff. Teaching. I mean, it was so outdated. Even the use of the word autism was like But for me, it was so easy for me to look at that and be like, immediately no. Like throw it away. And she's like, This binder you- has moved with us from location to location. But your exact words were, Okay, I'm gonna go walk away, but I can't see you throw it away. You're gonna have to do it when I'm not here. And I'm like Hey, like, also, but the, also the thing was in there is like, I have this like connection to like the notes I had taken with it. I have no idea what was written in there, but I like the handwriting I used on the slides. I like the fact that like I had paper clipped each thing organized and I'm like, this is crazy. Like I'm not looking at it at all, but I'm like, please get rid of it. Also, when I moved, I had Emily help me and I said, okay, look, I'm going to, I'm going to give you all these clothes. Whether you like what I'm giving you or not. Some of it, she's like, I love it. I'll wear it to work, you know? And I'm like, you like all of it. Do you hear me? You like all of it. You are going to take all of it and you are going to wear all of it. You had to know that. Like, you're going to wear it. I'm giving you my Muay Thai boxing shorts. (laughs) You are going to start wearing them. Do you hear me? Like, I don't, like, because I don't want to know what she's doing with it because I'm attached to these things. And so I could only imagine, is that kind of what it's like? That's like 
that times a thousand, like it's with everything. So all the way, I'm like nodding my head, like, yes, 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 yes. Um, everything you detailed of just the attachment to it. And kind of Casey, you were like, you know, it's for me, it didn't, or for you in the sense, it didn't have a, a, an attachment, but for Leah, of course, it, it was like you put in the work, you did the handwriting, you wrote it down. It, it had some attachment to it. But for me, it's literally everything I look at, everything I touch, everything I bought, everything I, everything I was a part of. I mean, it was attachment to every single thing that I, I own or I, again, I touched, I saw, I looked at, I wanted, I needed. It was a gift to me. Um, everything. Everything. It is so, everything. I mean, think about it. You always talk about your dad's Q-tips. I know. You're right. The one thing, <laughs> there's like a couple things I saved from my dad's apartment when he passed and it's like a blanket that he loved that like I, my cats use now, a couple of his favorite t-shirts. A couple bags of meth. I'm just <laughs> kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you'll find that surprisingly um but in, in a box of q-tips that i keep underneath and i actually did an instagram post once like does anyone save anything from their loved ones like some weird stuff that like and like matt's always like can i use the q-tips under the, that are under the thing i'm like don't you dare touch those q-tips you go buy new q-tips at rite aid i will kill you and he's like and it, my dad and i had no connection with q-tips it was never one moment that like but I think I was, like, proud of him. I'm like, oh, my God, my dad cleaned his ears out. Like, I didn't think that he did that. <laughs> a normal behavior for my dad, who was not the most normal man. Yeah. Like, it's just weird, these very odd connections. But so let's talk about a little bit. So you grew up, you moved out. Mm-hmm. Now let's talk about Savannah as a single lady living on her own. What was yeah. it like? What was so- your- we could see your background. Like, anyone just wondering, because it's, it's a podcast, there's not shit everywhere unless it's raped. I'm assuming it it's actually looks- So like it's it's I've been clean for a good again two years. I feel like I've I've been gigantic. Like I've literally been clean for two years in the sense of I've been able to manage the compulsiveness or I've been ma- able to manage just those day to day tasks that I guess used to overwhelm me or I used to again we'll talk about it later as far as applying all those ABA principles into giving myself choices of like do I need this do I not need this self talk of really kind of figuring out. Going back to like, why did I need this stuff? Like, what was what was my internal like issue, you know? And if we like even go back to like hoarding itself, like there's the anxiety component, there's the depression component. I mean, if you have like, you know, ADHD, like which I have ADHD, so it's definitely like so many different components that kind of can lead to the compulsive hoarding or the PTSD or the trauma or the environmental barriers. Um, all of that for me led to my hoarding. Um, again, it just, that's just how it was. Um, but me now, um, I work hard. I tell us what you've done. Like, what have you done? I did see in your description that you said you've used a lot of ABA as well. Yeah. Um, so this is definitely like in combination with like therapy. So I'm definitely like go to therapy. I mean, pro therapy, of course, when we're in our field, it's definitely love hate, but I'm all for therapy. Um, and you know, there was a moment where I was dating someone and he was okay with my mess, but I knew I wasn't okay with my mess or even like getting home. Like my car, of course, was a mess. Like I couldn't even like, I was such a passenger. It was just, or not passenger, it was just driver. I was just kind of sitting in the seat and no one else can sit with me. No one else can sit in my car. I had to like spray myself with body spray because I didn't know how bad of a, of a stench my car like let off or my home. Um, I didn't know how bad of a stench it let off. So I made sure I had body spray with me all the time just because I 
became so numb to whatever smell it was. And again, I didn't have any friends over. I didn't invite anyone over because I didn't want anyone to, you know, assume that smell or say, oh my God, it's like, it stinks in here. Or I didn't know you lived like this. Or I didn't want anyone to, of course, see the true realities and kind of, you know, I wanted them to only see me as like the person, but not like all of my like baggage and background that I had. Um, And so, but there was a moment where I kind of was like, I'm done. Like, I want to go home and I want to get out of my car and I want to just, you know, sit on my couch. I want to enjoy my TV. I want to cook it. I want to cook a nice meal. I want to go to my room. I want to like lay in my bed. And there was a moment where I couldn't do any of that. I mean, I would have said I would come home and I would kind of have a pathway in my apartment and I would just kind of go to the restroom, do the basics and then kind of go to my, go to my room. But even in my bed, like, I had so much stuff in my bed where I kind of only had like one side to sleep on. That was kind of just it, but it was more like a fetal position kind of thing. I mean, I had clothes. I had, I would like have buy things and the, the boxes of things would just be on my bed. Kind of, I had my bed against the wall. So it's kind of like a mountain of things on my bed that I was kind of like dating my hoarding lifestyle because that was kind of who I slept with every night. Um, who I made love to like that was, it was in my face 24 seven. Um, and I said, Savannah, like, what can you do? Like, why are you, why are you like this? Why are you doing this? Um, and I talked to my mom and this is where I kind of, you know, got more into family history of figuring out, you know, why was she like this? Why was this her norm? And that's when I knew like, oh, my aunt had hoarding. My grandmother was a hoarder. My grandmother was a hoarder. I was like, oh my goodness, this isn't even like an us thing. This is like an entire family thing. And did anyone know? Like, why was this a secret? Um, what's going on? Like, why are you a hoarder? Um, but even then, like when I first asked her, she didn't admit to being a hoarder. Um, she didn't admit to kind of the excess stuff that she had. She never saw a reason. Well, to her, she probably thought as functional too, because exactly when you've been defending something for so long, like you also, you're keeping it because you truly believe that it does have value. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like, well, what if I effing don't have ketchup one day? Like, yeah. To me, you find a need. Yeah. And it's, I think, even with like our, the way our minds work, it kind of just goes on and on and on and on and on of, well, I need it for this. 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 And it didn't stop. It doesn't stop as far as finding that need. And then when you ultimately do need it, you can't even really use it because it's, been a year later, six months later, two years later, a decade later, where it's like, I can't even use it anymore. So then you buy more and then you use it that one time, but you still keep it and then you buy more and then you buy more, but not still throwing away the others that you had already bought. So like, for instance, um, clothes, I never grew up with a lot of clothes. So kind of as I've gotten older, I cannot get rid of my clothes, no matter how it doesn't fit me, no matter how old I have it, I cannot get rid of any clothes. I will put it That's in bags. Hard. It, it's hard. It's hard. And it's and like, what if it comes back in style? What if I get skinnier again? Exactly. What if this happens? And Exactly. Like, it's it's a literal need. Or like, when I had like foot surgery, for instance, and half the shoes I, I was able to fit, I couldn't even fit anymore. But I literally have three bags of shoes in my closet now that I can't get rid of. But I'm taking it step by step of, okay, looking at the shoes, saying goodbye. I don't need it. I'm not wearing it. It's time to kind of go. But it's literally a process when it comes to everything that I do. Um, and again, am I proud of myself of where I, you know, came now? I mean, of, of course I can come in, sit on my couch, watch TV, go to bed and like lay in my bed, um, and like snuggle and like 
again, I can have guys over. I can like have like an enjoyment adult life and not be, you know, so afraid of like, oh, I need to clean up. I need to like, you know, hide things in a closet. I need to move things around. I got to spray things around. Um, and, but even then, like, I guess for me to backtrack when I was dating kind of in the peak of my hoarding, um, it was accepted, but I don't even know if it was accepted or if it was cause he was able to kind of, you know, get what he wanted. Um, and <laughs> it's sad to say, but it's one of those things that I had to really reflect on myself of, okay, Stan, like, what are, what are you, what are you doing? Like, is, this is, this is not right. And then of course, being an ABA, going to everyone's homes, I've been, we've been able to kind of see the different homes. I've been able to see, you know, how everyone lives. And I'm That's like, interesting, multiple exemplars. Exactly. And I'm like, I don't want to live like this. And so I think whenever I would come home, it would be even worse. If I would to like three homes that day and I would come home to like a tornado and it, part of it made it worse. because so I was, Again, seeing what I wanted to live like, seeing what I wanted to, to be as far as clean, as far as a place for everything, as far as organization, as far as, you know, having things where, where they belong and coming home to, again, like World War a thousand. I'm like, this is not, this is depressing. This is, this is hard. So then it got overwhelming. So I was like, where do I even start at? I don't know. I don't even know where to start. Um, and that's when I was like, okay, I can either just suck it up and throw everything away. I can pay someone to throw everything away. I can really find the the root cause of it. Um, and I knew again that I, in order for the change to be long, long-term, I knew I had to do it. I couldn't have a friend come in and clean it. I couldn't have, you know, I couldn't pay someone to come and do it. I knew I had to really tackle the root of what was going on. So like to like get more into the ABA side, like, what was the function clearly of like me hoarding? I mean, I didn't want to let anything go. I mean, I was, I wanted all of those items. I wanted access to everything that I worked hard for. I paid for it. I bought it. I owned it. I purchased it. I got it. It was a gift. It was mine. It was, it was for me. Um, and, but also like, if you look at like the escape function of it, like I escaped reality by coming into like world war a thousand. You know what I mean? Like there was those times where I would go to my client's home. It was clean. And then my home was that escape from, Hey, I knew it was messy, but I, I knew that it was my mess. It was my excuse for my mess. And that was kind of, again, my escape from reality. That was, that was what I wanted to do. That was where I wanted to be. I mean, so, so I thought, um, but again, it was easier for it to be that way than, you know, not be that way at all. It was just, again, my quote unquote norm. Right. And when I, you know, in ABA, we always talk about determinism, right? About everything, like the lawfulness of behavior, that nothing happens out of nowhere. So I've watched a lot of these hoarding shows and I I find interest, like oftentimes you'll be like, okay, what was the antecedent? There's often a death. Um, And it's like, I wanted to keep everything that this person owned and like, how could I get rid of their mail? That was like their Wayfair coupon, not mine to throw away. Or whatever it is. And then when I'm thinking right now, I'm sitting here because I'm thinking of myself with and just how I could relate it. So I am also, so I'm revealing all these things today. Everyone knows I love office supplies, but I also am, I am like very protective and cannot get rid of my medical supplies. I was actually going to call you out on that earlier. (laughs) Now that I've been in Dallas and see her, how she like lives and what she does keep. I was like, 
you can probably throw away this like I have ace bandage that has one inch left on it that won't even it's like it could be where my finger one day I'm like but you have a lot of new rolls that have a long a lot of so, a lot on it like that's it so what I was thinking about was mo's so at a time so you know however many years ago I was diagnosed with lupus right medical things have become really important to me I've gone through multiple things where like oh my god. I need this antibiotic immediately. Like my fingertips are, have like an ulcer or something. So like, I'm realizing like when I was going through my meds the other day, like I have kept lots of antibiotics because it's been like, I might've got a sore on my fingers. Cause you know, I don't get blood to my fingers like on a weekend and the agony I was in, it's like, I want to have it on hand. Right. But then when I was actually looking at the date of it, I'm like, it's 2016. Like, and like my doctors will like prescribe me doxycycline or whatever the fuck I need in like a minute, right? Or um like so what when I had got my fingertips amputated, there was like this this one stuff uh they were like open wounds, it was disgusting, but there was like this one stuff called like methylex, which is like almost it's like sticky on one side so it could stay on the wound, but it also um you put it underneath like the wrap of your bandage and that stuff is like for like one computer size piece of of it and you cut a little piece off is like $19, right? And like I knew the price of it getting it and so when I would go to like my surgeon or something I'd be like can you give me a piece or like every time you go to the hospital for something I've had a lot of finger issues it's like they will like they bring a new pair of scissors every time so like I would keep the scissors that they would bring they like I'd be like, can I just keep the roll of like you know that stuff like when you get blood, mm-hmm. like oh, to help tie it off. the like the yeah like the like rubber, it's like that like stretchy and sticks to itself like bandage yeah. and like yeah because oh, that was really valued to me valuable to me at a certain time because I had to wrap my fingers four times a day, or like I've been flare ups and I know how valuable prednisone is so now I probably have like twelve bottles of prednisone. Or like my doctor will prescribe that to me in an epic second. I have lupus. So that's like uh, you know, like but so some of it's from like twenty fifteen. Literally. That's, like, that's also like you the trauma you've gone through that you cannot yes. part from so, the stuff. So for me, these medical supplies and like my pain meds on the other hand, I don't take them regularly, but like I'm like, that's a effing badge of honor. The fact that I have this many narcotics on hand to because what I went through, like because what if I was in that amount of pain again? And it's like this trauma, this determinism of this like antecedent, I can't get rid of this stuff now. And like, and it was a perfect example. I like, Casey was helping me unpack stuff. And, and, and like, it's so valuable to me that I like would never spend so much money on like organization containers. But I literally spent like $350 the other day on organization containers for all my medical stuff because there's space in this house, whatever it is. And I literally can't get rid of a tablet. Like it's, it's, it's really weird. And I felt like, okay, I'm like, Casey, I had so many like Benadryl and actual bottles, but I had like three like loose ones that were like the blister pack. And I'm like, Casey, here, take these with you in case you put them in your makeup bag in case you ever have an allergic reaction. And in my head, I'm like, I would just go to the store and get a Benadryl if I needed a Benadryl. Exactly. Like, I don't need to yeah. like, hoard. Now your hoard is so stuff. I'm like so proud that yeah. I like I gave away even three capsules of this, whatever it is. And I like to know that I have everything on hand. And then last night, my dog 
Suddenly I hear him shriek and his eye has like blown up. I don't know what's going on. And I'm like, Casey, where are those Benadryl? Those are the instant release ones. I need that for Pavlov. And I'm like, there. And that just like reinforced my behavior of not getting rid of like a single thing. (laughs) Yeah, like a single medical supply. And it's, and so like, I, I really understand it when I see these people who have gotten to this point. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think someone would see me and be like, oh, she's a hoarder. Because I also yeah. like, but I, I totally get it. Yeah. But like, I, I totally get it. And it's like, dude, I think I'd be fine probably with like one thing of gauze instead of like having to own all of this. And and, and in reality, like, if you did have, like, an issue, you'd, you'd end up in the hospital anyways and get more gauze. Like, you wouldn't just have to stay in your house and use the gauze that you have. Like, But these mm-hmm. MOs – and so when I go to the hospital, I always steal gloves. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I know the fucking medical bill I'm getting. I'm taking their fucking gloves. Now COVID's happened and I have bags of gloves. I don't know if you know, like, literally, like, disposable gloves on Amazon right now are, like, 13 bucks. And I'm like, haha, bitches, I have it. <laughs> And so it's like reinforcing this behavior. Yes. And it's it's really a mind fuck. It is. And it's that's where I think knowing ABA and I think being an ABA and then like when you kind of talk about, you know, knowing how all of it's getting reinforced. I mean, it's all like intermittently. So like it is, I mean, that's definitely one of like the hardest the the strongest reinforcers. Like it's intermittently getting reinforced. So like sometimes I need it, sometimes I won't. But it's like you know you'll get reinforced somehow. You're seeking that reinforcement somewhere, somehow, because ultimately you'll get reinforcement somewhere. I mean, it, it's going to come. You don't know when, but it's, it's coming because it's That variable ratio. It was like, I needed that Benadryl right then. Yes. Like, or, I mean, anyone out there studying, like the automaticity of reinforcement is that we don't need to be aware of when reinforcement is occurring. It's always occurring. So like- yes. It might not be this clear ABC, but the automaticity yeah. of reinforcement says that reinforcement is occurring even when we don't know it's occurring. Exactly. Light bulb. <laughs> even going back to like what you're saying, like to the, like as far as like the trauma, like, I mean, my mom had trauma. I know I had trauma. So like a quick, like super sad backstory, but not really sad anymore. Cause I mean, but part of my hoarding, I mean, we were homeless. We was living in a shelter. Mom was a single mom. So it was a lot of, I saw her struggles to raise me. So again, like knowing from being in our car to being in like friends' apartments or shelters, like we had a lot in storage, but like physically around us, there, there wasn't a lot. So again, part of my hoarding has to do with like, I don't want to let things go. I want to make sure that like I'm secure in what I have. I work hard. I paid for it. I got it. It's mine. I'm not going to get rid of it. Because again, like I don't want to be in that place of, was I a kid? But I definitely wasn't a lot more aware of what was going on than I think even my mom knew I was, that I was aware. Um, so part of that kind of, you know, was a thing. And then seeing her not open up mail, there was a point where I didn't want to open up my mail because it was, again, what I saw. So, I mean, well, her bills, I don't, that's her you know, information. But it, one of those things where not opening up my mail led to me not paying my bills, me not, you know, being on time with the way – the system, you know, needed us to be as far as paying your bills, being on time, being accountable, um, doing those, those small things. But again, just kind of having it pile up. Like, I mean, we all have our little pile of mail, but when you're getting bills and not paying those bills, then it's definitely like it's affecting your, your long-term life. And you're like, whoa, like this, this has to, this has to stop. I always think like avoidance behavior is so strong because there, when things are difficult or conversations are difficult or 
if there's something in your life causing you stress or anxiety, it's so much easier to avoid it. But all that does is increase that anxiety. That's like, literally how I feel about my text messages. Yeah. Like for me, like, you know, for some reason, like paying taxes, I've, I've never even come into a contingency of owing money. Right. But I have this like fear of taxes every year. And it's like, once it's done, it's like such relief. But I'm just like, why, why did I let it sit for so long? I don't understand it. But Savannah, to your story about like what, why you hoard things based on your childhood, I have a similar thing of like hoarding like my money. And like, Liat doesn't understand. She's like, why don't you, like, you have the money in your savings. I don't understand why you don't pay off a bill. I'm like, because then I don't have the money anymore. And I didn't have money. And like, it's such a mind fuck where I'm like, Casey, you have got to figure out what is the root of this. And it's like, it's the child in me who's like, didn't lived in a shelter, who didn't know if the electricity was going to be on or, and there's no one for me to depend on or go to in my family. So I'm like, if I don't have this in savings, then I'm going to die and I'm going to get kicked out of my house. I'm going to have nothing. And I go to the actual like extreme. When I think about it, it's like, if you write down on paper, like, you know, I have really great credit and I have, yes, I have student loans, but like, I'm, I'm in a good space, but still, I never think that it's enough. I never think it's good enough. And I'd, I'm afraid to let go of that too. I'd rather pay a credit card bill each month in pay interest to someone else than I would lose money out of my own bank account, which is such like, I see it now and I'm working through it, but we're working, I feel, we're I feel working you, girl. <laughs> I feel yeah, you. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's mind blowing, you know? And I think even like going back to part of my life too, like whenever we did move, we never got rid of things. So it's like, I was never taught to get rid of things in the sense. It was kind of, we carried whatever we had in a box and kind of moved to the next place. And so now mom's kind of established, but everything that we've moved um, or wherever we moved from, it's kind of still in the box. We never really unpacked. Our, and even to this day, like she's been where she's been at for about 13, 13 years. Um, and she's never unpacked. So all, again, all of those old boxes that from when I was a baby, from when I was older, from when we were moving, she's never unpacked those ever. So is um, she still living a life oh, of hoarding? Yeah. She's still living the life of hoarding. Um, I go and visit her. She pays someone to sit with her and goes through boxes and opens up her mail and shreds her mail and organizes things. But again, when I even saw that, nothing's really changed because they're not really getting to the root of why she's hoarding. We don't know why, or I mean, I, I, I know why, but again, I have to have her realize why she's kind of doing that in a sense um, or why she's paying someone to come in and then self-sabotage it the next week. And you just paid almost $300 for a lady to sit in your house for a couple hours to go through this with you, to go through the panic attacks, to go through, you know, I mean, laying on the floor. I mean, but again, that's where I was at. I saw myself doing the exact same thing. I mean, I would be sick if I knew I had to throw something away or if like a, a bag got dirty that I, that I knew I wanted to keep and, or get wet or some sort. And I had to throw it away. I wouldn't really throw it away. I would kind of just like put it next to the trash and hope that it would just be there because I didn't, I, I could not get rid of it. It, it. They just had some history, some moments, some attachment. Again, going back to, I paid for it. I did it because before I couldn't or before we didn't have the money to. So I want to attach I think that's a huge everything. thing. The money thing also. Yeah. Because a lot like individual, we were talking yesterday with um, um, AJ about like, he grew up very poor and his mom still to this day, he's, you know, like 30 something years old. His mom will send pictures from the house being like, do you need this? And he's like, it's literally like a pair of boxers that like 
has like poop in it from when I was like eight years old and I'm like 30 something years old and I'm like, no, I'm good. Thanks. You know? And his mom's like, are you sure? Like, what if you, and he's like, no, I like, I, because of the idea of like, grew up with like no money. And so it's like, well, and, and he's like, well, sometimes like our next door neighbor will take the stuff that my mom offers. And so she keeps doing it. And it's like, he's like, you're literally giving these kids Oshkosh Bagosh clothes that were like hand-me-downs for me from four siblings who got it from someone else who handed it down. And it's now been 20-something years and we're still trying to hand it down to someone else. And it's like, and we were literally were just talking about this yesterday. And it's like, he's like, we grew up so poor that it's like, and you know, I had someone in here, actually, I paid an organizer recently because I felt like really consumed by my stuff and getting rid of it. And I remember being like $50 an hour to pay someone to like do this. This is ridiculous, blah, blah, blah. But I actually realized like I couldn't get rid of the stuff. Like I needed someone to talk me through it and be like, Liat, listen, can you buy, like also I started like, I'd always keep organization containers. Because like, what if I need that to like organize these art supplies or these beads or whatever it is? So like, I'd have all these containers. So like, could you afford another $1.99 container if you had to get it later? I'm like, yeah, but like, why would I do it? What if I need, you know? And they're like, worst case, you'll buy it again. Right? And it's like. Exactly. Mind blown. It is. I mean, I think it's, again, some, going back to, we all have a frank tendency, you know what I mean? But when it gets to the point where it's so bad, it's like, again, there's, there's, there's a problem, you know, and it's going back to the root of things, going back to the cause of things, going back to the history, going back to what is it that like, we know, you know? Um, and for me now, I mean, and I think, you know, being an ABA and then being a BCBA and, you know, with all the different clients that I serve and all the different, like, I think disabilities that are out there and like comorbid, like, whether it's like you have like anxiety and you have OCD and you have depression, you have ADHD and you have autism or whatever it is. A lot of us have like those, you know, dual diagnosis of some sort, you know, and it's, I know what you're saying. I mean, but it is, a set, it also is socially significant Yeah, because it was affecting, it's, a, it's, it's beyond the mess itself in the room. It's oh yeah, like it, it actually was disabling. Like it is affecting, I mean, if you think about it, it's also could be a behavioral cusp being able to have some form of organization or organize or have the ability to make a choice and get rid of something. Because look at it now, like you even said, I'm now able to have people over. So now, now, yeah, like behavior cost for anyone listening. That is when it is a behavior is learned that is, um, allows you to come into contact with new contingencies of reinforcement, opens the world for you. Um, to so many new opportunities for reinforcement. And I mean, now you're saying like, I actually have somewhere to sit when I get home. I now have like a, a coping strategy to calm down from the day. I now have, I could have a, a boyfriend over. I could now um, have friends over. I could make friends. I can, um, I could actually use my car for other functions as opposed to like just, you know, and that is a huge behavioral cusp. Like your life changed way beyond the junk itself. Exactly. It's like, you know, 
with the messy car and again, like having to bring toys to like clients' homes, it's like I would park, you know, down the street a little bit because I didn't want to park in front. I didn't want them to know like, hey, that's that's Savannah's car over there. If you like walk by it and we see it, it's like, again, I don't have tinted windows. You can kind of look at my car and you're like, oh my goodness. Because I mean, when I walk by a car and I see it messy, I'm like, are they homeless? Like what's going on? Like, why is their car so messy? And I was just like, so I guess I was scared of, of that, you know, and going to clients' homes and, or if they're, you know, pretty prestigious in this, in this fancy, you know, area. And I, you walk by and you're like, but why is that car like, like that? You know, it's, I didn't want that for myself or for my clients or for them to know that's how I was living. You know, I mean, it was like, it's a deep, dark secret. You know, I mean, I'm a, I'm proud of it now. But it's definitely it been be. a deep, dark secret, you know. Um, but going back to like how I kind of got rid of a lot of things was I paid a coworker. I was like, hey, I need you to like just throw everything away. Just just throw it away. Um, and she came and I paid her and I was like, hey, just just throw it away. I don't I don't care. Um, I don't need it. I don't want it. Just throw it away. So now like. I mean, sorry for those who are like environmentally friendly, but like I use all plastic forks, all plastic spoons. I use paper plates, paper forks or paper, paper cups. Everything I have, I can throw it away because when it came down to like not washing dishes and not like, you know, all of those things, I could not like use the water to then, you know, wash the dishes, which I mean, I had water, but I didn't want to pay for the water. I was just, I was just being, I, I found an excuse to either do something or not do something. Or I found an excuse to either um, have a reason to do it or, or, or not. I was like, no. And so again, that's my kitchen. Um, all of my clothes, I have it. I think that's great. That's what functionally worked for you. Like, exactly. You, I, I mean, myself, I also like, I use paper. I can't wash things with my hands because my fingertips are like so damaged. And I remember being like, so you got to figure out what works for you. Like th that is a pragmatic approach. And I think that is awesome. Yeah. I mean, but like when she was here throwing everything away, like I had a full panic attack. I mean, and then when she left, I cried for days. I feel like I lost such a big part of me. Like I was I was like, I didn't realize I was in the bed. Like I was crying and I'm like, Santa, why are you, like, why are you crying? Like you, like you, you have more than enough. You have, again, you have your savings, you have your security, you have what you need. Like you literally have everything that you need and what was thrown away. You were not using, you didn't even know you even had it. Um, but I didn't know that I had it. Like when I, when I look back and I'm like, man, where's this cup at? Or where's this bowl at? Like I, I threw it away. And that's when like, I kind of, almost going to a little panic attack in the sense because it's almost like a trigger of like, hey, I threw it away. I shouldn't have thrown it away. And so I have to kind of almost self-talk myself into, you know, Savannah, did you need it? D did you use it? Is anything else you can use in place of it? What else can you do instead? I'm kind of really rationalizing with myself of what can I do? What can I, you know, where can I go? What other things, like almost like an alternative behavior, what else can I do that's still going to satisfy that need that I'm missing? You know, that's still going to, you know, reinforce me from not having that bowl, but I can have, you know, a bowl similar that still is beautiful, that still is, that's going to serve the purpose of, again, the last bowl that I, I knew I had that I didn't, that I don't have anymore. Um, well, I'm proud of you for doing the work. I'm proud of you for doing the work. And I think that this podcast, I hope, um, inspires someone to, because I think ABA actually could be really useful here. In terms, but even all the things I'm thinking of, like, writing a task analysis, uh, you know, like radical behaviors, I'm going through the private events. Like I say, that's probably even like bigger, uh, you know, than like 
the actual behavior of making someone walk from like side of the kitchen to throw something away to the trash can. Like, yeah, you know, this whole approach. And I think that ABA could do a lot of good. And I think that we are so early on um, in the field that like, I hope that we start seeing people getting actively involved in these different areas and utilizing our amazing science to help individuals because this is socially significant too. Like, Oh yeah. All the way. I mean, now, like what I do now in the sense I have changed my environment. So I've changed things around. I've, again, I have trash cans in more places. I have, you know, everything has its place. So my environment now has order that I no longer had or that I I didn't have before, you know, Um, you know, making a list. So not having like a, a 12 list, but like three or four items of things that I know I can do. You know what I mean? To make sure that, hey, Savannah, you know, gather up the shoes you know, throw away two pairs of shoes, um, you know, wash one dish or put one dish away, like really focusing on those, like, again, those high P's of what I know I can do and then kind of tackle something that's like really hard. Um, but again, it's me being aware of that and me learning and knowing myself of, of what I have shown myself that I can do. Um, or like choices of can I throw this away now? Can I throw it away, you know, tomorrow when it's like my trash day, but really following through with that choice that I make. Cause it is kind of not, as, as immediate, as far as like, do you want blue or red? Um, but more like Monday or Tuesday kind of thing. Um, but really following through with that choice that I've, you know, made. Um, or like creating momentum. Like I find myself, you know, if, if I'm in the group of things, I am like, okay, Sandy, you're going to start this and then you're going to just keep going. That behavior momentum are high P, low P. Like, exactly. Okay, like, I'm like, all right, Leah, you're going to start by getting rid of um, three. Like, I have a hole punch and I see even on the floor right now, there's like, I guess I moved my hole punch and the paper little circles came out of it. And I'm like, okay, so I could start off high probability, something that's easy for me to get rid of. I'll get rid of those pieces of paper, hole punch things on the floor, and then I'll go try clean out my pens. No, that would be like, I would need a few. Yeah, like breaking down the small or even steps, you know? Um, but yeah, and so, you know, throughout it all, like the reinforcement I get, it's pretty much automatic because I feel accomplished when I know I've done great. I feel accomplished when I know like I'm still clean or I feel accomplished when I know I put something back where it belongs because again, it has a place. It's like that 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 self-satisfaction of I did it. It's me. Like there's no one else, just me. You must have an eye. So that you you're almost replacing that like I keeping this because I bought it for myself and I did it and it's that exactly. automatic satisfaction of like I was able mm-hmm. to do this for myself. But mm-hmm. now you're getting it from like I was able to get rid of something. I So you really should be so proud of yourself. That is so amazing. And I know mine's not to like, or, but I, I really, I feel what you're saying so much. Yeah. So yeah. That is a huge accomplishment. That is amazing. And you should be very, very proud of where you've come. You know, I appreciate it. So two years and not having to like, for myself with like body spray going everywhere. I'm like, that's, that's, that's success right there. You know what I mean? Like, I know I smell good um, because I showered, you know, I know I smell good because my place smells good because I have, you know, all the little like Febreze things that come, you know, kind of plugging in, things like that. You have a table you could put a candle on. You have space to put a candle there. Exactly. Um, and I know it's going to be safer. I know I can kind of like walk away for a second and not like we're about something kind of blowing over it. Um, but those small successes really do add up. But again, like going back to all the other trauma that we all face, um, we're all hoarders. But I think, again, you know, we can own up to some of those, some of those things. And for my mom, I mean, I, I love her dearly and I'm, we're working together on it. Um, but it's definitely been harder for her to kind of find 
the true root of it. But I think, again, as she's seen me, I'm definitely like that model for her. And she's definitely I'm sure trying. she sees it and it's like. And so, yeah, it's, it's nice to be that model for her because she's, she's trying. When before it was, she did the same thing. I was like adult tantrums. I mean, she just would lay out and kind of just not move. And I did the exact same thing, not realizing that she was hiding that reality. And I was hiding my severity of it too, as far as my reality. And when we talk about it, it's like, I laid on the floor too. So did you. Um, and so it's nice to, I think, build that relationship with her on a different level and now kind of, again, be that model for her so she can kind of, you know, work to better herself and find the root of, of what's going on with her. Um, so we'll see. Oh. I just love you. I just want to say that. <laughs> oh, you're you guys awesome. Amazing. Love you guys too. I'm sure your mom yeah. is so proud of you. So keep it up and keep being a great BCBA. I know you're so helpful based on your experience that you're able to really, really get to know your clients and help them. Because oh, yeah. You have experienced a lot of this. So, Savannah, thank oh, you yeah. for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me, guys. This has been awesome. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you so, so, so much. Um, and for sharing this, I know that it could be like a, you know, I mean, I would be bragging also if I was able to like get on the other side like this, but I know some people don't want to share these things. Yeah. So I appreciate it. And I'm sure someone listen like as I'm listening, I'm like, wait, maybe I am a hoarder. Like going on <laughs> about these things, like as I connect with you. So I'm sure someone else listening is like, oh my God, this is me too. So yeah. Keeping it real. It. Thank you. Oh yeah. Super real. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in today. You know where to find us. You could find us on behaviorbitches.com. You could find us on Instagram at Behavior Bitches Podcast, Facebook at Behavior Bitches Podcast. You could support us on Patreon for as low as $2 a month at patreon.com slash Behavior Bitches Podcast. You could leave us five-star reviews in the Apple stores. We live for that shit. And as always, love ya. Mean it. Hey guys, it's Liat and Casey. We just want to take a second to let you know that if you're thinking of being a millennial like us and starting your own podcast, there is a way. You can do your show without having to become an audio editing and production wizard, because guess what? We don't know shit with that. But we have Alan at Pretty Easy Podcast who help us get started. He records our shows. He posts them. He adds awesome, awesome music and cool shit when we don't even know what he's doing. He sends us teaser episodes. He does it all. We just sit here and friggin' talk. We shoot the shit and you can record from home, your office, the park, a bathroom stall at work. It doesn't matter. He provides the complete podcast studio. All you need is a microphone and you're good. Alan caters to your schedule and gives you a producer for your show at your beck and call. He has been super flexible with our schedule. Whenever we need super. him, we go to Google Calendar. We just book him and he does all the hard work. It's like so incredibly easy. That's why it's probably called Pretty Easy Podcast. So be heard and have some fun podcasting like us. Go to prettyeasypodcast.com today. 